Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And get going. Father, we just give you praise and glory for, for um, all your blessings. You're such an awesome God. And um, we just thank you so much for, for all that you do. And, um, Lord, we, we just lift Ron up to you, and I just cover him in the blood of Jesus. And, Father, I ask that you would strengthen him enough and cause him to be able to be more involved again and, and um, just make that way easy. I, I know it's, um, it's a scary deal just getting him up and down the steps, Lord, but um, I just pray that you would make a way for that to happen. And, um, Father, we just give you the praise for your word. Thank you for your revelation and your understanding in it. And Holy Spirit, you are absolutely so welcome here. Um, we recognize that you are the revelator. You are the teacher. And um, so we look to you for your wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Father, we just ask for your blessings on this lesson and, and bless our time together. And um, thank you for it, Lord. We just give you the praise and the glory. Amen. Amen. Okay, back to Genesis. We're just flying here. We're about to bridge chapter one and smooth over into chapter two. Isn't that exciting? And I'm telling you, put on your seatbelt. Okay, here we go. Um, go go to Genesis one twenty six. <clears throat> And we're going to read from there to the end, and then we're going to read just um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Um, and we're going to kind of finish up this thinking on the creation of man, you know, just uh, of his man. And last week we talked about the fact that for the most part in this picture, God is... Um, he is thinking and, and he's in the formative stage of creating man. Man, of course, was more complicated because of the DNA, well, the DNA, if you will. He, was, he had created all of humanity and recorded it in his book before, before ever the first one was, including Jesus, his son. He had all of that recorded in his book of life. And we looked at all those scriptures last time that in his book of life that was all written down before he ever stopped barahing and started assigning. So, yeah. So, this picture then, and I love the phrase, I wish I had thought of it, but I didn't. Um, this was John Gill's phrase, but he calls this in Genesis 1, the divine consultation among Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you get the picture of the three-in-one talking about this creation and laying it out. Let him be in our image and let him be in our likeness and let him have dominion over everything that lives on the earth, right, and moves. And um, so let's just start reading there. Verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Now, um, in that first one where he says, let us make, that is Asa. Let us create this thing. But he hasn't done it yet. He's talking about it. Because in the next verse, it says, <coughs> created Twice, and both of those is bara. He's still thinking. And so God bara created man in his own image, and in the image of God created bara him. Male and female created bara them. All three times the word created is used, it's bara, thinking, formulating. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth. 
and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over everything that moves upon the earth. And it's a pretty um, specific definition of what our dominion is over. It's over the fish of the sea, the fowls of the air, and every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Um, I, I'm further along than you are, but I have to tell you, I when I was beginning to look at this um, over in chapter 2, verse 17, it dawned on me, man's authority is over everything that moves. Mm -hmm. Over everything that moves. But not the plant life. And not the, you know, but everything that moves on the face of the earth. And you go, are you kidding me? Um, <clears throat> God has given the plant life as a gift to men. But God is in control of that. Which I find very interesting. It's not in his dominion. And, I, and I'm going to show it to you when we get to verse 17. But, but that brought me up short when I started reading that over and over. He defines that. Let them have dominion over. This is the first place he says it. And he says it two more times. Um, and um, so let's just stop there and then go to verse uh, chapter 2 verse 7. Actually, we're going to start with verse 6. And there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life that became, and man became a living soul, a breathing spirit or a speaking spirit. And we're going to talk a little more about that in a minute. Um... Within himself, he blessed his man. And he, and he decided everything that he had been created for. So let's just go to the New Testament and look at some of these scriptures. Start with um, 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. Okay, God has given us a supernatural, a spiritual wisdom that, um, that is beyond that of animals. Okay, there, there is nefesh and there is um, uh, neshama. Nefesh is animal wisdom. Neshama is the, the understanding, the knowledge of beasts. They think, they survive, they move. Of free will, but they do not have a rational, um, eternal spirit part. What is the other one? Nesh Neshama. Okay, I, I was thinking of medicine. Adama. Nesh Adama. Yeah. <laughs> ah! Yeah, Nesh. Yeah, Neshama. Nesh. And E. And that's, that's the divine essence of God. Neshama. It's an N with a tiny little E and then S-H-A-M-A-H. Neshama. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah. It, it's divine essence. It's that part of man that is um, immortal, eternal. Okay. Uh-huh. Neshama. You know, Peter, I mean, uh, yes, Peter, he says, I, I pray that your whole soul and spirit, uh, you know, and body will be saved. But, but your soul is only going to be saved, that part of your soul, your thinking realm, that has been renewed to the things of God will be saved in the end. The rest of it won't. Um, <clears throat> what? And what was Nesh again? Neshama. The other one is Ne, little n, and then Fesh. Oh, Nefesh. Uh huh. And that is like the animal spirit, your soulish realm. Mm -hmm. And then Neshama gives you that wisdom. And that's uh, what I want to speak to here. One of the things that we were given is this wisdom that doesn't uh, belong to um, 
the world and it came with the breath of God. Now, um, you know, it was lost when Adam fell. He still had rationality and creativity, but he did not have the mind to understand the mind of God anymore. He didn't have that depth of spiritual understanding. That's the spiritual wisdom that Jesus gave us back when he breathed on us and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes and you, and you gain more. So Paul's talking about that right here. Um, he says um, in verse 5, um, Your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak a wisdom among them that are perfect, mature, that have neshama, a lot of it. But not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained when? Before the right, the world, right. Before the world unto our glory. That is Neshama. The world, the wisdom of God that was ordained for man, men, before the world, before it was ever founded. That's translation says before time. Well, there you go, which is exactly right. Before the first bit of time, God had already ordained God wisdom for his man. I like that. Okay. <clears throat> From here, go to um, Ephesians chapter 1. If they, oh, that was Second Corinthians. We were um, we were just in First Corinthians two. Okay. okay, and then the next one we're going to is Ephesians one. How you doing, Bats? I'll slow down. I tend to get ahead of myself. You're good for me. <clears throat> Okay, start with verse 3. <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, according as He has chosen us in Him before the foundations of the world. That's that picture of the grand consultation. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he has purposed in himself. The picture there is that purposing within himself. Um, and when did he purpose that within himself? Before the foundations of the world. Okay, now go to Second Timothy Second Timothy one. And start with verse seven. It's just a few pages over. Second Timothy, uh huh, chapter one. Yeah, starting with verse seven. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. I don't know how many years I just read those verses and and never really thought about the fact that before he ever before time before he ever said light be all of this was established you know in him from beginning to end every bit of it was um, which is just amazing to me and yet even in that um, he lets us go. He lets us choose. He lets us, you know, be ourselves. But in the end, whether you accept or reject, which is yours to do, the end is going to come and it's going to play out just like he says. You know, but everybody has a choice in it. You know, what they do with what he has already preordained for us, which is, and it takes your breath away, doesn't it? Okay, back to Genesis. Back to page two. Um, I think we talked just a minute about that last week. This word yatsar, it's the only place that it's used in creation, this word. And um, in the creation story, um, and and it is literally to squeeze, to shape, to form like a potter. And um, if you read Hebrew scholars, they all talk about that the dust of the earth was was mixed with water to make a ruddy clay mixture. Well, if you look at the verse right in front of um, verse seven, you see that the ground was wet. The whole thing was wet. Um, it says, but there went up, this is chapter 2, verse 6, but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. Uh, not the plants, because they, they weren't, but watered the whole face of the ground. So the ground was soggy wet, and it was a clay mixture. And God took that wet clay, that wet dirt, and squeezed as man in shape. Very personal, um, a very personal creation here. Not like the rest of it. How did it get to be dust? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. The word dust there is, um, if you look it up, it's dust. <laughs> but um, it's wet dust because verse 6 says so. You know. So wet dust would be like gooey clay. And he just formed his man out of that clay. And um, um, then like a potter, he formed that man. Okay. Ramban says it this way. Because the earth was endued with life-giving power, man was alive with a soul as other creatures, meaning some kind of a thoughtful mind. This soul is nefesh. And it enables movement, independent movement, and is received from the earth. But man, in the image of God, was given divine inspiration or divine essence, neshama, and the power to think and discern and reason and act creatively. This is the immortal part of mankind. And that's true. Our flesh will fall off. But our spirit man is never going to die. You know, it's a part of us that won't go um, away. The clay form of man was endued with divine essence of God. And this is so cool to me, just to think about it. That clay form of man had nefesh, had life in it. But once, the minute that God breathed neshamah, into his nostrils. 
that made it possible for man to be compatible enough with God for the incarnation to take place. If man did not have nefesh, if man did not have that spirit side to his being, God could not have become incarnate. In other words, there would not have been a vessel with the spirit to, to contain you know, the DNA of God. I just thought, wow, that was just um, one of those little side notes that um, I read somewhere and I thought, that is the coolest thing. But it actually did, because man has neshama, divine essence, that actually prepared Adam to become um, flesh incarnate. Because he has a spirit that was capable of receiving the spiritual DNA of God. And I thought, but that is really cool. And the picture is cool. You know, when you think about um, um, the Holy Spirit, first of all, what did he do? He impregnated the earth. He hovered over the earth like the, um, like the brood hen, you know, getting ready to multiply. And, all, and the earth became endued with this life-giving power. Um, and nobody understands it. Jesus said, you know, you take a seed and you put it in the ground and the farmer sleeps and wakes and he doesn't know how, but the seed comes to life. If, if you don't put the seed in the ground, it'll just stay dormant until you put it in the ground. And then there's that life-giving whatever that was endued in the earth that causes that seed to spring forth. Mm-hmm. And um, um so you see the Holy Spirit just impregnating earth with that life-giving power. But then when Mary says to the angel, how can I be you know, a, a mother when I don't even know a man? And he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. you know, And the seed that's in you will be holy seed. You know, He was planting seed again in flesh, but flesh with Neshamah in it. Not just, not just ground, but flesh with Neshamah. Which, that's kind of cool. You know, the picture of it is neat. With the Holy Spirit brooding over the earth and then the Holy Spirit coming on Mary, you know, to bring forth that incarnation. Isn't that pretty? The life giving, the life he gave to the earth is the same type of miracle that he gave to Mary, to, I mean, to see in Mary. Yes. To bear Jesus. Isn't that beautiful, that picture? I just love that. Mm. You know, it's the Holy Spirit still doing His thing. And you know? say, it's not possible. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not possible that the earth should be here. It's not possible that mm-hmm. it should be perfect for human life. None of it's possible. And yet, here it is, and here we are, you know. It's, uh, it's remarkable. It is. Um, it's just awesome. Um, so with that infilling of, of the Spirit of God into this clay vessel, um, the Hebrew scholars say he became a speaking spirit. And, you know, when I was going back and I was reading a lot of this, I found some really vitriolic commentaries from Christian authors and Christian uh, commentators, modern day saying, you know, their argument is that the literal translation of hey nefesh is, uh, or hey neshama is a living soul, is a living being. Okay, that's all that is. It's not anything else than that. And they are correct in that those two words are the translation, you know. But, um... Over and over and over again in Hebrew commentaries, um, they they refer to this man as being a speaking spirit. And um, so I just took two examples from the Targum. One was Jonathan Ben Uzel, who we talked about earlier. But this is what he said. God breathed into his nostrils the inspiration of life. And there was in the body of Adam the inspiration of a speaking spirit. And that spirit brought illumination to the eyes and ears of his heart. Now that, that was 
written almost a thousand years ago. But there it was. And Onkelos, who is another one that we uh, use a lot, said this, And the Lord created Adam from the dust of the ground and breathed upon his face. And the breath of lives came in him. Plural. Nefesh and Neshama. And it became in Adam that that life, Neshama, became in Adam a discoursing spirit. A speaking spirit. So, it, you know, it isn't that it's the literal translation, but it is that broad explanation in the commentary that makes it what it is. And we are speaking spirits. There's no other animal like us on the face of the earth. You know, we are that because we have that dimension of Neshama, that dimension of divine essence in us that other animals don't have. Um... So let me just, I don't want to miss anything here. Um, all right, Adam was the complete human being. You know, everything that was in all of mankind was in him. The, all of the detail of uh, the DNA that was possible in the existence of the earth was in Adam, his man. Um, scientists believe that Adam would have, uh, you know, in, in physical terms, would have to have been at 33 between 30 and 33 because that's the age at which in in mankind now that's the age in which your DNA is completely filled out I mean you know everything is checked off now if you think about that here you have the priesthood men go into the priesthood at 30 Jesus died on the cross as the perfect man his complete DNA the DNA of all of mankind in his body he was on that cross at 33 so it's kind of a cool uh, thought, you know, the, the, um, I don't even know who the scientist was. You know, you read so much when you're, you know, just skimming. I thought that, I thought, that is so awesome that um, at it's about age 33 that your DNA is complete. And Jesus being the complete man, the second Adam is what he's called in scripture, mm -hmm. would have the full DNA and the full design pattern for all humanity and the gene pool and everything of all humanity in himself when he went to that cross. And he was made of earth like every other human being and, and all of earth is connected. So all of earth was covered in that death on the cross. Um, you know, every, everything that sprang from the earth, all life that sprang from the earth was connected to that act at the cross. Which, you just go, wow! That's just the most amazing thing ever. But, but in Adam was that complete DNA stranding. So that from that DNA, infinite numbers of individuals with unique uh, patterning, uh, gene patterns, etc., could be produced from that one man, you know. But he needed help, so rather than making a second person, he took Eve from a rib, so she had the exact DNA patterning that her husband had. So now you have the source for all of humanity in their DNA. That's Adam, the first, the first Adam, Jesus, the second Adam. You have that complete DNA patterning so that just like those little drawings we used to do when we were in um, biology class, you know, you took that course on genetics and you did a little crisscross and you got the black dog and the white dog so you get one black dog, one white dog and two spotted dogs. And But that in that whole chart, you it, there's an infinite number of combinations and God used those infinite numbers of combinations to create infinite numbers of people around them across the globe which is amazing that in itself is just amazing um, okay <clears throat> now I want to go back um, having established man now he's got all of creation he's got the animals he's got the plants he's got humanity okay and all of a sudden in Genesis 1 we do a flashback here but before we get there we have to look at day 7 so we're going to look at day seven because it's important. Um, and there's some thoughts in it that are worth looking at. Um, go back to Genesis chapter two, one through three. <clears throat> um, 
And thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And that is Barah, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which he created and made. So the last thing there which he created and made is which he barad and asad. Oh, isn't that cool? In the very end of um, verse 3. Is that the first time we get asad? Mm, well, together, barad and asad in the same sentence. So it says, um, and these are the generations of that. I'm sorry. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which he created and made, <laughs> which he barad and asad. Did we hear asad until the second chapter at all? Um, no. Everything okay. else had just yeah, barad. had been barad okay. thinking. Okay. But he rested not only from barad but also asad. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's important. <laughs> We have to, uh, you know, I think we always, we think about the Ten Commandments. And one of the Ten Commandments is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Well, we've sort of gotten under the law with that. Humanity has gotten under the law with that. But this was instituted at, at creation. This is one of the, uh, of the commandments that God gave us that was instituted at creation. Not on, not an, an exodus, you know. And what he said was, he didn't say, thou shalt not mess up the Sabbath. He said, remember the Sabbath. And he was pointing all the way back to creation. Remember that I established the Sabbath and keep it holy. The cool thing about that is, is he, he's speaking to... Um, to the reasoning of men. Like every, all the others, you know, the other commandments, thou shalt not. You shall not make any other images. I am the Lord your God. You shall not lie. You shall not steal. You shall not take your, you know, your neighbor's wife. This one and the one, you know, honor your parents. These two are not about nature. Your conscience should, you have a built-in conscience that almost tells you don't do those things. Even little children who don't know the Ten Commandments know it's not good to tell a story. You know. Um, and it's not good to take something that doesn't belong to you. And, they, and there's a conscience in them, in all of us, that takes care of that. That should until our consciences are seared. But these two speak to the rational side of humanity. We have to think about this and we have to act on it as a rational human being. He says, you remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. And that, that goes to our remembrance and our choosing to keep it holy. You know, it, it's, um, it's not really an option because it was a commandment. But the commandment was to remember the Sabbath and then honor it. So, so it has been instituted, that commandment has been instituted from the day of uh, creation. Yeah. In essence, he was saying, remember all I did. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then, and honor that day. And God honored that day, and that's the really important part. He sanctified that day and made it holy. He honored that day himself. Okay? That seventh day. Now, he wasn't weary from all of his work. Go to Isaiah 40. You know, go to Isaiah 40. God wasn't tired. He doesn't get tired. So it wasn't a matter of just exhaustion. But listen to what Isaiah um, 40 says, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, 
The creator of the ends of the earth faints not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. So he wasn't tired when he rested, but he stopped because he was done. And when he stopped and everything was perfect, then he maintained that one day as a day of rest, the Shabbat. Um, and Adam was taught that and everybody else. And God has a time clock. And it's important that we know about it. So like um, the seventh day, he declared and proclaimed that to be sanctioned. And, and it was his day. Um, not only did he stop the work that he was doing, but he deliberately rested. He wasn't tired, but he deliberately rested. Okay? Now, we're, we were saying that everything is a type, so I want to just um, read you a couple of um, statements. Let me see if I can find this one. Um... You never can find things when you're looking for them. I'll come to it. I know. But everything is a type. Here it is. This is uh, John Clark. He says, Because this commandment has not been particularly mentioned as a moral precept binding on all, therefore some have presumptuously inferred that there is no Shabbat under the Christian dispensation. The truth is, the Shabbat is considered as a type. Okay? It is a type and a shadow of what's to come. All types are full of force. All types are full of force or full of power. Um, to me, I would say all types are full of the power uh, of blessing that belongs to God. If you, if you stay under those types, if you follow those types, you will stay in the blessing of God. That's the way I would say it. But he says, all types are full of force until the thing signified by them is, takes place. But the thing signified by the Shabbat is that rest in glory which remains for the people of God. Therefore, the moral obligation of the Shabbat has to continue um, until the time be swallowed up in eternity. So the Shabbat, the seventh day, is a day that um, needs to be honored always because, because it is a type and a shadow of, of what's to come. Okay? So go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3. It's in the back. If you get to Revelation, you went a tad too far. Hebrews chapter 3. Okay, start with verse 14. And then we're going to read on into 4. Okay. For we have become fellows with Christ, and we share as all he we share in all he has for us. Only if we hold our first newborn confidence and original assured expectation firm and unshaken to the end. Then while it is still called today, if you would hear his voice, when you hear it, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the desert when the people provoked and irritated God uh, and embittered God against them. For who were they who heard and yet were rebellious and provoked them? Was it not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he irritated and provoked and grieved for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned? Those dismembered bodies were strewn and left in the desert? And to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest? But to those who disobeyed. So the first type that you see of the rest, 
the Shabbat is entering the promised land. That was a Shabbat for the children of Israel. They wandered and wandered for all those years. The promised land is a type of the Shabbat. You know, it was a rest for them, supposed to be a rest for them. Excuse me, what are you in Hebrews 3? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hebrews 3, verse 18. Oh, oh okay. I started on 14. Yeah, I did. For we have become fellows with Christ. Yeah, I'm reading from the Amplified. Yeah, that might be yeah, it. That's what probably. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, and look at verse 19. So we see that they were not able to enter into his rest because of their unwillingness to adhere to and trust in and rely on God. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still holds and is offered today, let us be afraid um, lest any of you should think he has come too late and has come short of reaching it. For indeed we have had the glad tidings, the gospel of God, proclaimed us just as truly as they, the Israelites of old did, when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it wasn't mixed with faith, with the leaning of the entire personality on God and absolute trust and confidence Okay, by those who heard it. Neither were they united in faith with the ones who heard and did believe. For we who have believed do enter that rest in accordance with his declaration that those who did not believe should not enter when he said, as I swore in my wrath, they will not enter my rest. So the next picture of Shabbat is when you and I become born again and we take our rest in, in the living God, in Jesus Christ. But the last rest is going to be when God puts his, you know, puts his city, New Jerusalem, down here on the earth for eternity. So over and over, the picture of the rest comes up. Over and over and over. Um, Let's just keep reading for just a minute here. Look at verse 4. For in a certain place he has said this about the seventh day. And God rested on the seventh day from all his work. And they forfeited their part in it. For in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Mm -hmm. Seeing then that the promise remains over from past times for some to enter that rest and that those who formerly were given the good news about it and the opportunity failed to appropriate it and did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he sets a definite day today. And he gives another opportunity of securing that rest saying, through David, after so long a time in the words already quoted, Today, if you would hear his voice, when you hear it, do not harden your hearts. Um, so, so in Hebrews, which is, we're still waiting for the final rest. We've only gotten a taste of our inheritance. But we have, we have the opportunity to enter that rest. It is a type and a shadow of what's to come. So even though it's one of the Ten Commandments, entering the Shabbat was started with creation. So that, that is a remembrance that we need to adhere to. And God set it up actually because he created human beings with the understanding that they needed it. Um, if you read scientific magazines over and over, my goodness, they talk about the, the benefits of meditation, naps, taking walks, um, the habits of exceptional people, the habits of outstanding athletes always show that they take time for mental breaks. And those breaks then increase productivity, replenish attention, solidify memories, encourage creativity. Rest is necessary. I read something many, many years ago that said that this uh, creating human and were to emulate him, he said rest on the second day because people work morning to night, yeah. physically worked. Right. Not many people do anymore, mm-hmm. but it was a health benefit that you couldn't work like that seven days a week. Right. You know, that was just part of it. That's it. And it is. And God knew what he was doing. Because when we rest, um, <clears throat> um, in fact, I love this little quote. 
Idleness isn't just a vacation or an indulgence or a vice. It is indispensable to your brain and your body. It's as indispensable as vitamin D. The lack of it causes us to suffer. You know? And and um, one of the big areas that science um, focuses on these days is your brain. And, and if you think about your brain, it's like the... Um, the command center for every circuit in your body, whatever system it is, your brain is the command center. If your brain does not have its own rest time, then it will not function at the highest rate and then neither will any of the rest of your body, the other circuits in your body, will not function well. So God set up the seventh day. But you know what? Science has also proven that, that human beings really need a minimum seven to nine hours. Seven hours of sleep. For some of us that can't do that. You know, that our minds need that in order to gain clarity and to eliminate, um, to give your body time to regenerate. Um, he says, uh, uh, this little article that I read, so while you sleep, your body repairs itself. The liver eliminates all its toxic, yeah. toxic chemicals. Your muscles and your body systems recuperate and gain strength. Um, so energy is restored. Waste buildup is diminished. Your brain actually goes through a process of, I used to tell my kids it's like, if you think about your desktop on your computer, you just keep putting the sticky notes all over your desktop. You hear stuff all day long. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody talking at you, TV talking at you, work, you're reading things. Your desktop at the end of the day is just cluttered with pieces of information that have gone in. If you don't get enough sleep, you wake up cluttered the next day. But if you sleep long enough, your brain has a built-in um, housekeeping system and the housekeeping system will go through your brain and it systematically looks at all your sticky notes and the ones that you heard five or six times over and over you repeated to yourself or whatever or some kind of a chemical was released on that so there's a little bit of pressure you know sometimes you'll get a note that says you have to go to the dentist you have to be there at eight o'clock in the morning well, I don't know about you, but my brain eats out these chemicals that go, ah, dentist. And it glues it right to my brain, you know. So some of them have chemicals glued all over them, you know. And your brain goes through and it says, okay, this is real important because you repeated it. This has got gooey chemical all over it. And then it organizes your brain, your, your sticky notes, so that you have everything in order. So that when your mama used to tell you, things will look better in the morning, honey. They do. Because your brain has clarified. And actually, and I would tell my kids this all the time, nobody learns anything in school. All you do is take those sticky notes home. Your brain learns when you sleep. That's when learning takes place. So, um, you know, the, you, you have to have enough sleep in order for that learning to sink in. So when they used to say about learning, listening to something and learning while you were asleep, isn't that kind of contradictory? Because if the brain is supposed to organize what it's already received, why would you, while you were sleeping, put more into it? I don't know. I, that never made sense to me. Never, it, it didn't mm -mm. me either. Mm -mm. It'll just disturb the sleep. You would yeah. think, yeah. Now, you know, you mm -hmm. remember when that was a big thing. Oh, yeah. Do, you know, Subliminals. Yeah. 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 I don't study for the exam. Yeah. Listen to it while you sleep. Yeah. Whatever. I'm sure I told you what my mother used to say. What'd she I say? I loved it. It was. She said, sleep knits up the raveled sleeve of care. <gasps> See, I love that. That's wonderful. And, and I think it's why people who are depressed and oppressed sleep. Because it's their attempt to regain uh, their footing, regain their, um, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, you know, I, I don't have to be sleepy, but when things just get overwhelming. Yeah, yeah you just I'm pull like, the covers up. There you go. You're what? I'm in bed for two, two and a half hours, and then I'm okay. Yeah. I think so. I think that's our attempt at, you know, causing things to take shape so that we can deal with them. Um, so God knew that. You rest the seventh day. You need seven hours of sleep a night 
to be healthy. Now, some people are wired different. There are people, we were talking about this today, who are wired with, um, like, ADHD is what they call it, but I think it's I think it's a gifting because there are some people that just never sleep. But the things that they do, the things they accomplish are just amazing. When you read about people who um, have learned to take that energy and then channel it for good, oh, my gosh. I, I was yeah. telling her, I was just reading an article in Reader's Digest, which is not contrary to what you're saying, science is mm -hmm. but it's kind of a new perspective. Mm -hmm. And they said each person... Uh, their body has a required number of sleep. Mm -hmm. It's like you're saying there are some people that just ADHD and they right. have this energy and they have to dispel it. Right. Sleeping doesn't help them because the energy is, you know, right. in some ways I always thought that was maybe why I would wake up with anxiety attacks in the middle of the night. Yeah, could be. Now I take something that puts me sleep and keeps uh -huh. me asleep and I'm, I'm yeah. much better. Yeah. But I think my natural body wasn't I got on a split schedule when mm. I worked at the telephone company, and I would work uh, 10 to 1 and 6 to 10. Oh, horrible. What did you do in the middle of the day? You slept. Yeah, you slept. So I came home at 10 o'clock, and I didn't sleep until maybe 2 o'clock. Right. And then I didn't go to work until 10 o'clock the next day. So I really got all screwed up, and I got into this nap thing, which even when I was in school, I ended up with different class mm -hmm. times. So it was almost like my life pattern, it's or God patterned my life to suit my body, which right. was already, you can't sleep for eight hours. Mm -hmm. You sleep right. four, you're fine, and you've got to get up and do something, then you go back to bed. Right. So I don't know whether I created that habit or whether my body, after reading this article in Reader's Digest, was just one mm -hmm. of those who wants to do things in spurts. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I just think it's neat that um, it's so mm -hmm. individualistic. Yeah. I, I just think you need to, you know, we just need to know that where the Lord wants us and how much sleep you need. I'm a nine-hour sleeper, and if I, I am. I need my nine hours of sleep. But And if I don't get it, you know, then I get cloudy. You know, I get... Um, I get fussy. I just, but, but my body needs it. I can't easily. Yeah. But, um, you know, people are just different. You know, you just, you need what you need. And, um, toward the end of my teaching, you know, I was getting five and six hours of sleep. Then on the weekend, I couldn't hardly, you know, function. Saturday was a, it was a non-function day. And, um, you know, I think my health began to run downhill too. Because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't taking good care of myself. Mm -hmm. But um, you do need to rest your whole body. I mean, there is that. There is at least a day a week when you need to rest. Now, that doesn't mean you don't garden or you don't do things that you love. But you have to stay away from the work that you do every other day of the week. Yeah. You know, and people who... Uh, are on their phones constantly, even if you're home and not working, but you're on your phone and you're doing business and you're working and you're, you know, doing things like that. You, you're not resting your body. And your body needs the rest. And listen, even the earth, um, God built in every seventh year. He told them, he said, the whole earth has to rest for a year. You don't plan anything. You just... You, you glean from the fields. There will be enough to eat. But don't plant those fields. Rest the ground. Rest the ground. And we don't do that anymore. And we've lost that practice. You know, but, and we're running downhill. Health-wise, we're running downhill, you know, as people. Um, the foods don't have as many nutrients as they used to. It's not, you know, it, it's just not. So, um um, the idea that we don't need the rest, it, it's wrong. So we need to remember, recognize, be mindful of that Shabbat. He had to, it took 40 years for Israel to learn that lesson. 40 years of manna for them to learn that you don't work on one day a week. Six days you gather manna. On the sixth day you gather two days supply. And then don't even think about it on the Sabbath, on the Shabbat. And I don't think that there's a log. I don't know who we got into with it. Um, somebody talking about whether, oh, real Christians. 
don't worship on Sunday, which that what? I said it doesn't matter what day your Shabbat is, as long as you rest. You know, as long as you rest, and um, we just need to honor our bodies because we're given those bodies, and our bodies do need time to recuperate. Otherwise, you end up with stress and all kinds of emotional problems, and stress then opens the door for every kind of disease because stress destroys your immune system. When you get into overload, those things start happening. You know, I, I look at how many young people are getting cancer now. How many, you know, people you go, that they're so young to have cancer. Um, and I think some of it is just pure stress. And they don't realize they're stressing their bodies. They don't realize... You know, but but I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, you know that that rest is so important. Um, I don't want to miss anything here. Hold on. Um, Jesus even addressed that. You know, in in Matthew, um, we'll go to Matthew twenty two. Let's just see what he had to say about it. You know, he's he's not under the law here either when he's talking to them. I mean, yes, the law was was there but they had made it um, so anus the onus on that law was so bad that the people were suffering because they had to follow men's laws on top of what God said God said remember the Sabbath remember back to creation when I established the Sabbath and, and sanctify that day I sanctified it Therefore, you sanctified it. You function the way I function. This is the way we function. Okay? And um, Jesus was trying to get these people jarred loose from their staid ways. Um, look at verse 36, Matthew 22. Matthew 22, verse And then we're going to quit here in a minute. We'll finish on the Shabbat. It'll be a good place to rest, right? <laughs> okay. Um, okay, look at verse 36. Let's see what it says. Yeah. Teacher, which kind of commandment is great and important? The principal kind in the law. Some commandments are light, which are heavy. And he replied to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And this is the great, most important principle and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. These two commandments um, sum up and upon them depend all the law and the prophets. Um... This is not the scripture that I thought it was. Well, can I just say something about this scripture? Yeah, please do. It says that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself enough to take care of yourself, which includes rest, you cannot love. You cannot. I mean, Good loving point. means giving and supporting and encouraging and visiting. And you can't do that. That's true if you haven't. you... Rest yourself. You've got to take a rest in order to be able to go back out and love. Good I, point. Well, thank you for saving me on that. Thank you for saving. You know, I mean, I now have two two uh, care receivers from Stephen Ministry. I have um, a very several friends that are quite ill that need trips to the hospital. Trips. That's a form of loving them. It is. And I mean, I get tired. Yeah. Sometimes, Leo tell you, I just say, I'm exhausted. I'm just exhausted. So mm -hmm. I have to take my Sabbath. You have to. I do, I Shut do. the door. Sometimes I come back, and I have this friend in, in Maryland that is a very needy woman, and I love her to death, and I make trips down there to help her out. She's in her 90s. Wow. Very, very lifelong depression. 
Mom. When I come back, and do I not, when I come back from Sybil's, I'm like, I'm not doing a thing today. I am not, mm -hmm. I have to rest. Yeah. So I really see that. It says, love, you know, love others as you love yourself. But how can you love others if you don't love If you don't love yourself. That's a good point. You can't get away you for what you don't have. That's it. Well, that's yeah, true. That's very, right. very true. Well, thanks for saving me on that. <laughs> Did you want Matthew 12? I've got the Matthew 12. The Lordship. 1 through 8 and then 9 through 14, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Let's go to Matthew 12. <laughs> yeah, that's where we should be, 22. I don't know what I was thinking. <clears throat> where in 12? So I just knew I had to page through a couple of pages and there it is, <clears throat> Where are we in Matthew 12? Matthew 12, start with verse 1. Okay. <clears throat> well, we're going to go to verse 9 in a minute, but chapter 12 right now, verse 1. Do I really mess up on this one? Sorry, guys. But thank you, Jordine. Okay, verse 1. At that particular time, Jesus went through the fields of standing grain on the Sabbath. And his disciples were hungry and they began to pick off the spikes of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, See there, your disciples are doing what is unlawful and not permitted on the Sabbath. Are, you, are we okay? Are we at the same place? We're here yes. in thunder. Yeah, oh, I've got my windows open. We might need to go? My dog's okay. in the car. Oh, well, let's just go here. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm okay. And he said to them, Have you not even read? What David did when he was hungry, those who accompanied him, how he went into the house of God and ate the loaves of showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, not for the men who accompanied him, but for the priests only? Or have you never read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple violate the sanctity of <clears throat> the Sabbath, breaking it, and yet are guiltless? But I tell you, something greater and more exalted and more majestic than the temple is here. <clears throat> and if you had only known what this saying means, I desire mercy, readiness to help, to spare, to forgive, rather than sacrifice and sac sacrificial victims, you would not have commanded the guiltless, condemned the guiltless. Verse 8, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. So he's not saying, you, you know, you just have to sit still. But he, he means for you to get away from your toil, your everyday toil, which you do every day that grinds on you. Go to verse 9. As soon as he got through walking through the fields, he went right into the synagogue, okay? And going on from there, he went in the synagogue, and behold, there was a man with one withered arm. And they said to him, Is it lawful or allowable to cure him on the Sabbath days? That they might accuse him. But he said to them, What man is there among you if he only has one sheep and it falls into a pit or a ditch on the Sabbath will not take hold of it and lift it out? Ooh, your poor little dog. Yeah, how much, you just go ahead. I'm going to go off. How much better and of more value is a man than a sheep? So it is, is lawful and allowable to do good on Sabbath days. Then he said to the man, reach out your hand. And the man reached it out and it was restored as sound as the other one. So Jesus is not saying that ministry and loving people doesn't go on. But you have to do it with a, with a rational understanding of what it is. And don't stop um, observing the Sabbath. You know, you need a day of rest when you don't do everything. You know, like even cleaning the house. You don't just... Clean the house and cook and clean the house and cook every single day. One day, you got to stop and read a book. You know, you got to stop and take a nap. you got to stop and do those things. Um, and I'll tell you, I was the worst guilty person of all of this. And I th that's one reason I kind of stayed on this a while. I think the Lord wanted me to see it. You know, when you work and when you're busy all the time and you... Um, you know, I think we're on the back end of this. We're wiser than we were. But, um, love you, girl. What Sabbath is he Lord of? The Sabbath, which the is Sabbath. the day of rest. Whichever day it is for you, that's the day it is. Because okay. we're not under the law. It doesn't have to be on the Saturday or Sunday. But is, what I was getting at, isn't there coming 
a Sabbath rest. Yes. yes. And that's what he was talking about in Hebrews. He says there is a day of rest coming to us. Yes, there is a Sabbath. And he is the Lord of that. Yes. And it is coming. And that's why I thought it was important to say that that institution of that type is going to be in place until it fulfills itself in the end times. You know, the, the, the end told from the beginning. Just like every sacrificial institution was in place until Jesus went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, that stopped. The whole temple was destroyed in the year 70 AD. You know, there's been no sacrificial animals, nothing. The temple, Holy of Holies, the curtain was rent. As soon as the type is manifested for eternity, then you're through observing everything that led up to it. So what he's saying is, is the Sabbath is the type that ends when, you know, when it's fulfilled at the end of time. Done. Yeah, at the end of the seventh day, at the end of the seventh millennial, that's that's right. And everything is done when it's all played out and the timeline ends and we're back to eternity, then the rest comes. So we have to keep we have to continue to institute that for our own well being, you know, because God said to. And he knows us well enough to know we need that. So yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, guys, I hope you don't drown out there. Uh. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.